guys this is the Algen podcast i'm your host oliver cornley and today i have an amazing guest for you on the wise word series today we have aaron evans how you doing man i'm very good thanks mate yourself yeah not bad not bad so aaron you are one of the number one guys for sales when it comes to sales you know you've been all around the world you've been working with big companies smaller ones and today guys we're going to be talking about the importance of sales in business you have to learn some amazing tips from aaron himself so uh, yeah let's go straight into it aaron so firstly just tell us all about yourself and your journey Sure. Well, I'm, um, I'm, I'm in sales enablement. Um, and for all you guys who don't know what that is, basically, I'm responsible for the training, coaching, development, uh, also a conduit between product, product marketing strategy, and often the CEO's mind to the sales organization. So everything comes through me. I train and coach people how to do that. I've been doing that for about 14 years, worked across the globe in Australia and Sydney, worked in Toronto, worked in the US, worked over here, obviously, in London as well, all across Europe. Uh, working for large organizations and small nimble startups and some really early startups and also IPO'd an organization in Australia in 2014 which is really exciting so uh, done a bit of everything. Yeah it sounds like you covered a lot I mean what was the biggest difference between that startup culture versus the bigger sort of corporate side? Oh there's so many differences I mean look I'd, I'd, I'd take startup over corporate any day of the week because it's more fun more interesting more nimble it feels like you're building something more meaningful but look, I think it's it's a good lesson actually because when you work for a large organization there's a lot of the process structure systems disciplines in place already when you work for a smaller organization you're responsible for building those out but i guess this is what's key for your listeners if you're starting your own business it's important to get that right from day one because that's how you scale is getting the right processes and systems in place and then plugging people in to make sure that you scale you can't go back and unpick that. You can't go for a round of recruitment of 50 people and then go, right, now I've got to unpick our sales process or our qualification methodology or even like some of the tech stack we're using. So it's a really good lesson to learn to get it right from day one. So building the processes, building the systems first, plugging everything in place and then getting the people and the right people. I mean, have you had any experiences of finding those right people to put in the system? Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, the point here is that people build systems for the first layer of growth. So you might go, right, we've put in place all this stuff to get to profitability, as an example. Because you shouldn't really be doing that. You should be putting these systems in place to get to seed funding, Series A, Series B, Series C, because then you don't have to go back and unpick it. Like when we're talking about plugging the right people in, like let's take sales as an example. If you don't have like a robust sales process, what are your people going to sell against? What, what process are they going to use to sell? So you're going to hire five salespeople. They're all going to be making up their own processes comes impossible to forecast impossible to qualify deals and you've got to sit in front of investors telling them where the money's coming from and where your customers are coming from without the sales process you can't do that um finding the right people is a whole different conversation no doubt but yeah i mean it's it's critical to get those systems and processes so that sales process in particular i mean let's just focus on that obviously that's your sort of speciality area as well so let's just imagine now that i've got a startup you know we're we're pre-seed we're going really well uh, but budget's tight, you know, sales, it's, it, it can be expensive, especially with wages, for example, and that system creation as well. So how would you approach that building that sales process on a smaller scale so then it can be then tuned to gear up, you know, to series A and B funding? It's, you start by thinking about your customer journey and then you align to your customer's buying journey, right? So you, with any sales organization, particularly outbound, it's about how do you prospect? So how do you find the right customers? Well, first of all, you need to define what that right customer is. What's a sweet spot customer? What, is the, what does that criteria look like? 
that should be your, your kind of identify stage. And then you've got a discovery stage, which is where you're learning about the customer's pains or problems or challenges or opportunities. Well, let's talk about the types of questions you need to ask to unearth that, right? So to get that challenge out, what am I even looking for? And then you might have presentation of value where you're demonstrating value and then buying process where you're trying to navigate the customer's buying process. Without that set of criteria and tasks that you're looking for, you can't, you don't know whether you've got a good, robust opportunity or not. Um, and this is the point is that, you know, you can't rely on sales guys, are the most optimistic people in the world. They're always going to tell you this deal. But unless you've got objective criteria that says the customer has done this or said this, you don't know whether you've got a deal or not. So much time is wasted selling on people who are never going to buy your product. And it all starts with the sales process. If you get that in place nice and early, you're dictating the journey of the customer through your processes and you can qualify them and qualify out, qualify in, whether there's an opportunity there or not. Right, so that, that qualifying stage, which obviously helps for, for startups to go, look, Mr. Investor, these are our metrics and we've absolutely nailed it. How, how do you go about defining those are? Because I think that cross product, cross service, cross industry, they're very, very different. So it'd be good to get a couple of examples of what a metric is and, and how you can then present that to a potential investor. Well, look, I think it is different for every industry, but sales is the same the world over, right? Whether you're selling a bloody, I don't know, a, a packet of cigarettes or whether you're selling a complex SaaS model, it's the same thing, which is so find the need or the problem of the customer and then solve it with your product or service. It's really, really simple. So most of the qualifying process and qualifying an opportunity should be about making sure the customer, first of all, has a need that you can solve. They have the budget to afford your product. The timing's right. It's the priority is solving that problem. Uh, and ultimately, you're speaking to the right person who can influence that deal. That's the basics of, of qualification. Now, you can build out on that to make sure that you're getting more information and make sure that you're getting the right information. But the reality is, is that every time you interact with a customer, you should be qualifying. You should be trying to find out something about that deal and, and, and validate or ratify the, the robustness of that deal. And when you talk about it from an investment point of view, if I was an investor now and I was investing in a small business that had a had a, um, a sales function and you couldn't articulate what pipeline looks like for you, or you couldn't articulate your forecasting methodology, I'd be very reticent to invest because you're going to take my money, but you're never going to tell me when my money's coming in mm. because you can't forecast opportunities. Forecasting is so important because you're basically making a, or hedging a bet on that money coming in based on pipeline and the amount of opportunities you've got. It's absolutely critical. So that, so that sales process and, and building that at the beginning, like a solid foundation for then future investment. Because, I mean, as I, if I was an investor, I'd be like, hang on, where's, yeah, like you said, where's my, coming, my money coming back? So that needs yeah, exactly. to be proven there, right? 100%. Yeah, definitely. And let's just like move more in towards like people listening now. They're, they're graduating with business degrees or any degree for that matter. I think that sales... Are, you can't really do, you know, graduate with a sales degree, but I think a lot of people they do move into the to the sales side. So what would be really interesting uh, from yourself, Aaron, is is learning more about the sales culture and especially those who are going into sales. You know, like the first you know couple of weeks and, and even like their career as well. That's a tough gig, right? I mean, I think it's like it's like the Benjamin Button of careers, right? So the first job you'll ever do in sales is the hardest job you'll ever do, and it does actually get progressively easier. Like picking up the phone a hundred times a day and calling people who've never heard of you before. <laughs> I can't think of anyone who wakes up in the morning and goes, this is for me. Um, but yeah, look, I think you've got to distill down what sales actually is. And all it really is, is communication, right? It's you're communicating with someone, sometimes a complex idea, sometimes a not very complex idea. You're trying to demonstrate value. You're trying to learn about them to solve the problem. 
So actually, these are universal um, skills and competencies that are really useful in business. And it doesn't surprise me that most CEOs come from a sales background. It doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, I can walk into an organization now and sniff the air and tell you whether it's a, whether the founder was a, a product guy or whether they were a sales guy, because you can just feel it in the atmosphere. Um, you, you'll find that I much prefer working for, for sales founders, people who've come from sales when they found an organization, think that product-led companies are very inward-looking. They, they, they're sort of constantly looking at their product as opposed to looking at what the market necessarily wants. Um, but yeah, sales culture is critical because it's the engine room, right? It's what's driving activity and revenue. And by proxy, it's actually your marketing function as well because if you're putting 100 outbound calls into the market, mentioning a brand and talking about the value of that brand, it's really important. So if I was starting an organization now, there's one thing I'd do is I'd make the targets reasonable and I'd make sure that people are absolutely busting through those targets. Even if you're not paying a lot of commissions on it, at least get them to smash through those targets because it builds a culture of winning. And then you just gradually raise those targets. It's, it's easier to hire people when there's a culture of winning. It's easier to, um, you know, fundamentally it's more fun. Like you actually feel like you're winning all the time. Where organizations go wrong is they're too stretching. They're like, you've got to achieve this in two minutes. And if you don't, then you're fired. It's like, well, no one's going to enjoy that. You want to encourage overachievement. And one of the best ways of doing that is making the KPIs and making the, the, uh, the targets achievable. And it's really, really important because that winning culture starts ultimately bleeding down the organization to everyone. It creates excitement and interest and a feeling of winning. Uh, but sales culture is really important. And a lot of CEOs and founders don't get it. They just think you lock salespeople in a room and they create things. Actually, no, it's it's like fanning the flames of a fire. You've got to do it to, to make sure that it keeps burning. And from the, the other end of the spectrum as well, the sort of like the people who are the, you know, the salespeople, especially younger uh, people of our generation and our listeners now, is there anything that you'd recommend to them? You know, because not all bosses are going to be amazing. So if they were to give get you know get some targets for the month and they don't reach them, what, what would you recommend to these people who they don't reach their targets? Do you think it should be like sales isn't for them or do you think they should communicate to their manager? Like how would you approach that if it was you being that salesperson? You don't really have enough equity in the conversation at that stage because it's your first job. But if, you, if you've got a feeling that the targets aren't achievable, then it, just to be really honest, you don't make all your money in your 20s, right? Or when you leave university, you make your money in your 30s where you built out a niche and you've become successful and you're skilled and you're competent. You should treat your first maybe five years in a sales role around trying to absorb as much and learn as much as possible. As cliched as it is, it's the truth is that you need to be a complete and utter sponge because people will pay a lot of money for your competency in the future, like a lot of money. Um, you know, there's so many new organizations and startups out there that will pay good money for people who've got a history of achieving in businesses and I've got a history of, of, of ultimately being skilled and competent. So you're not going to, you're not going to be a millionaire in your first year in sales. right? It's important to say that, but you just got, you just got to learn the art and you've got to learn the science. And, and that's what sales is. It's it, unlike many industries, it's the perfect blend of science and art where you're persuading people through your personality and through the things that you say, but also you've got the science behind it, which is the structure, the process, the content, the the you know all of that wonderful enablement that you've got to make you successful and and with that learning obviously it's it's, it's a long process like you said you're not going to get it first on your you know on your first job you're not going to make millions so like what resources did you use or would you recommend using like books for example for new sales people is there anything in particular that comes to mind 
Yeah, so outside of process, you've also got something called methodology, right? So sales process is the steps you need to take and the things you need to you, you need to achieve. Methodology is how you do it. So there's thousands of books written on sales methodology. And the, the, the key is to try and have as many of those methodologies under your belt as possible. Whether that's Matt Dixon, the challenger sale, whether that's Neil Rackham, spin selling, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's hundreds of methodologies and you should try and absorb as many of those as possible because there might be one or, few, one or two little tri- tricks or hints or tips that you can absorb into the way you do things and are actually very, very successful. Alternatively, I run a, a YouTube channel which has all of my sales training given away for free, which is Aaron Evans Sales Training on YouTube. And I recommend subscribing where I just give away all of those methodologies for no cost whatsoever. Yeah, that's really our link in the forums. So those of you listening now, we'll have a sales forum. We'll put the link in there. Also your LinkedIn profile as well. So yeah, so just get a quick overview on your YouTube. What kind of things do you cover on there? Everything, right? So, I mean, it's all broken down into playlists and, and try to group it into areas, but there's, it's a good resource, not just for salespeople, but for people who are thinking of starting sales functions in their business. So basic competencies like objection handling, negotiation, questioning techniques, presentation of value, all the way through to things like coaching. Like coaching is so important in sales. Making sure that you're coaching your reps to do the right things is really critical. And there's stuff there like how to build a sales process or how to, you know, how to absorb a sales methodology. Um, sales is a really simple beast that is very, very easy to overcomplicate. Very, very easy to overcomplicate. So if, if you're looking to start your own company or you're looking to get into sales, it's all about keeping it as simple as possible and being customer centric in that process. And then speaking of that customer side, you know, like uh, customer centricity, just give us a bit more overview into, into what that is. Because when I first went into sales, I thought I, I was the one in the focus and I just needed to chase my targets. And I remember being sort of shoved towards like just serving the customer. So it'd be great to learn from that because I know that I made that mistake. And those listening now who are going into sales or starting a business that, you know, th- those mistakes can be reached. So yeah, it'd be great to learn more about that as well. Yeah, I think that it, it all comes down to the value that you give to the customer from the first interaction to the last interaction. And the way I describe it is like, if you ever walk down a high street and there's like a failed drama student with a clipboard who comes up to you and says, oh, do you want to buy some charity, right? What do you do when you see those people, right? You're just like, no, I'm not interested. I'm on the way to a meeting. I'm on my phone or whatever. But then you've got the other side of the coin, which is when someone's giving away a free type of milkshake or protein bar outside of a train station and you queue up and you stop and then you, you, you take that product, right? In fact, you'd be five minutes late to a lecture, right? Just to get that product. I'm sure you would. And these are the two ends of the spectrum, which is a fair exchange of value. The, 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 the failed drama student doesn't really care about you. They just need you to sign this bit of paper to show that they've done something. Whereas the person giving away the product say, look, I'm going to give you a load of stuff in the hope that you come back to me. They're giving you value first. And this is the way that sales has to operate now is your job is to create value for the customer, even when they've not bought your product, whether you're enriching them with content, whether you're enriching them with ideas, opinions, whatever it is, you need to enrich them so they see that you're a viable source to buy from. Um, And that's what modern selling is. And you guys are really lucky. You've got things like LinkedIn at your fingertips where you can just send someone an article saying, this is really interesting. I thought of you guys having known a little bit about your business. Have this for free. You can enrich the customer and build value and build credibility as a salesperson by doing simple things like that. Yeah, and on that credibility, I think fundamentally that's about building trust as well with the customer, especially with the, tr- the strangers. 
you know, there's two strangers interacting. Why would I do business with you? And is there any tips that you would have on, on building that trust in that relationship with that customer for the first time? Yeah, a couple of things. Look, I think anyone can smell inauthenticity, right? Yeah. Like if you're not being yourself, they'll smell that a mile away. And it's the quickest way of killing trust. But people think that in sales, when you pick up the phone, you need to start sounding like some strange, abstracted business robot, which is utter garbage, right? These people turn into like, you know, cyborgs. But no, you just got to be yourself at every opportunity, like like, like unapologetically be yourself. Um, and to have at the front of your mind is that, like I said before, don't ask for anything until you've earned the right to ask for anything. So your number one objective should be about creating value. It's the most important thing you can do. If you take that mindset into a call, a meeting, or an email that you're sending to a customer, of being yourself and trying to create value, it's very hard for people to say no. If you're going there and being, uh, you know, selfish, where you're going, hi, I'm this person, I want to talk to you about my product, I've got this, I've got that, no one wants to listen to you. It's like going to a party, right? If you're sitting there and someone's talking about themselves solidly for two hours, like you, you can't wait to get away. But if someone's asking you questions about yourself, you're like, oh, this person's cool. They're listening to me. They're interesting and they're interested. And that's important. It's exactly the same as sales. With that engagement and, and building that up. And, and even for a business, I mean, I'm just thinking of this now as, as myself is, you know, um, we're developing a couple of products. And rather than just saying, you know, here we go, here's a new product. It's like, oh, try it out. Give some feedback in return. We'll give it for free. And or, you know, incentivizing the customer with free free models. I mean, is there any um, anything that you've done there with with giving things for free, like subscriptions, you know, three month subscriptions? Have you delved into that with businesses that you've been with before? Yeah, I mean, you, you can do it that way, but you don't necessarily have to give your product away for free, right? There's a whole heap of stuff you can get away, give away for free. Like if you've done some research in the market, give it away. If you've found an article that's really interesting, that's relevant to someone, give it away. Like just give away as much of your stuff as you can. I mean, I'm not talking about free trials because free trials very rarely convert into someone purchasing your product it's just fact the statistics tell you that unless you're running a really stringent free trial process but the point is you need to come with something right you come to someone's house for dinner you bring a bottle of wine with you right you've got to come to the table with something um and i think that's really really important and let you've got to remember man no one gives a shit about your product no one gives a shit about you no one gives a shit about anything all they care about is what am i going to get from this and the quicker you show what they're going to get from it, the more more chance they are of trusting you, engaging with you, and ultimately buying from you. Because it's all about the customer. Your product, your service does not exist without the customer. That's the- that value, right? That straight away, here's the value, like the uh, the free milkshake uh, idea. Oh. So yeah, just to, just to finish up, it'd be it'd be great to learn more about your international side because I know a lot, a lot of students and listeners here. You know, we're looking towards working placements abroad, for example, like Australia and even in, in Americas as well. So, yeah, your experiences, you mentioned Canada and in, in, um, in Australia as well. So what's the, what was the culture like just from a business point of view and as a professional working there? Yeah, I mean, it's really fascinating. It's one thing I loved about living and working in different countries is that it does affect sales culture. Like sales culture is very different in these different countries. And often it's dictated by things like geography, right? So you take someone like Australia, which is a huge landmass, but it's 22 million people squeezed into like four cities, right? So the way you sell over there is a lot more about community. It's like, oh, you're, you're leaning into our community. I need to trust you first before I buy from you. So that is very much about going for beers, you know, going to their office, taking them for coffees, and you eat your way in there to build trust. Whereas, you, you know, you sell into New York, it's like there's 
God knows how many people squeezed into a tiny city. It's not about relationship. It's about value. So you call someone out there, you got to get to the point and the value really, really quickly. You work in somewhere like Canada where like, you know, they're petrified of being, uh, you know, America's like next door neighbor and cousin. So they're really risk averse. They don't buy very quickly. They, they're, they're like penguins, right? They wait for the first one to jump in the water and then the rest of them jump in. So you, you'll find that they're much more risk averse. You've got to earn their trust. You've got to be very credible first before they purchase from you. And the, the way I'd describe it is that sales is the same in every country, right? The fundamentals of sales is exactly the same. The way you go about it is different. It's like eating, yeah? Like if you go and eat in central China, they eat, of course they do because they need to be nourished, but they use chopsticks. You go and eat in, you know, some parts of the Middle East, of course they eat, but they use their hands. So you've got to adapt to the culture, but fundamentally sales is the eating part, right? It's still exactly the it's same. The staple, it's, the, it's the thing that is the consistent unifying factor. And then just a, just a last point there, what would you recommend for people making this change and, and adapting? Because it can be quite difficult, especially in a new country. I suppose in Australia and Canada, it probably helped with the English side, but what, what would you recommend there to adapt that sort of mentality of how to do things? You just got to be open-minded, right? If you're getting to the point where you've bought a ticket and you're getting on plane and you're going to live in another country, I'm guessing you're pretty open-minded already. Right? <laughs> a closed-minded person wouldn't even attempt that, but just do it. Honestly, like the, the key thing is, is that anything in life that's worth doing always starts with a risk, whether it's a business opportunity, whether it's a relationship with a girl, whether it's a piece of art, whatever it is, it always starts with a risk. And there'll be a point where you're on the plane, you're thinking, Christ, this is a bit of a risk. What happens if this happens and this happens? But it is the most enriching, fulfilling thing you can do is work in other countries. And remember, you're only a plane right away. Things go horribly wrong. You can be back in the UK in a maximum 24 hours. So it, it I say this to all young people, they should make it mandatory that everyone works in another country once, not travels, not puts on a you know shell necklace and walks on the beach of Thailand. You don't absorb the culture that way. When you're working in another country, you're paying tax over there. You're part of the system. You know, you, you get to see how businesses interact with each other. And it's such a great learning curve. Everyone should do it. And I'd recommend it to absolutely everyone. No, very wise words there. No, brilliant, Aaron. Well, uh, thank you very much for, for being on the podcast. Do you have any other last words for our listeners? No, I mean, look, I'm always open to mentoring, always open for sharing ideas. So if people want to get in touch with me or they've got any questions, feel free to do so. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Amazing. And guys, uh, we've got a sales forum. So what we'll do is we'll put your YouTube uh, channel in there and also your LinkedIn so you can uh, reach out to Aaron. So Aaron, thank you very much and uh, keep learning and get earning.